Catholics, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited. Uh, I'm just barely making the AM window in terms of recording this podcast. I did not sleep very well last night and decided, okay, I'm going to take my time, going to record it late morning. And then I got I kind of uh, completely turned around with my Keurig breaking, uh, the TV that I'm supposed to be getting for this new apartment is not here yet, and I'm kind of worried about that, but it is what it is. We'll be fine. But for now, I wanted to get into the Northwest Division. That's what this podcast is going to be about, and over the course of these next six to eight weeks or so, I'm going to take one of these episodes a week to talk about each division in all likelihood. It's going to be fun. We're going to try to approach it from a uh, a holistic standpoint, not necessarily just ranking the teams. That's what I'm going to try to do in the first segment. But second segment, third segment, we're going to get into some more deeper questions and figure out what the heck is going to go on with these Northwest teams. Uh, but for now, should be a lot of fun. Let's talk about the teams really quick. The Denver Nuggets, obviously, 48-34 and 34 last year. Minnesota was 46 and 36. Utah was 49 and 33. They are going to be different this upcoming season. Oklahoma City was 24 and 58. And Portland was 27 and 55. They're kind of in the midst of a tank year, of which they're hoping that will be their final tank year. I'm a little bit uh, concerned about that for them. But here's kind of where I'm at with each of these teams, how each of these teams kind of changed the most heading into this upcoming season. We've talked about the Nuggets ad nauseum, so I'm not going to bore you with it, but KCP, Bruce Brown, those guys are in. Will Barton, Monte Morris, they're out. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., they're supposed to be healthy this year, will be healthy this year. And that's going to definitely change Denver's win total. It's going to change their overall level that they can probably get to. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. There's a lot of different combinations that they can go to now, and I believe that this team is probably the most talented team in Denver's franchise history. So you're definitely getting into that, and you're definitely hoping that that carries over into the regular season record. Though Denver's going to have Murray and MPJ probably on minutes limits, probably on games limits, I do think that the overall body of work is going to be kind of a plus-sized version of last year where you have sometimes where those guys are sitting out, sometimes where one of those guys is sitting out. But then you're going to have those rare games, not hopefully not too rare, where everybody is on the court at the same time and it's looking extremely good. So that should be a lot of fun. For the Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert comes into their team and they don't really break up that much of their core. They still have Anthony Edwards. They still have Carl Anthony Towns. They retained D'Angelo Russell. Not really sure why. I think uh, I think uh, Tim Connolly is definitely a big fan of D'Angelo Russell. And honestly, I don't think that the Utah Jazz wanted D'Angelo Russell on their team. So that's one of the reasons why he wasn't moved. And you've got a very big lineup now with Rudy Gobert in there kind of replacing Jared Vanderbilt, who is their nominal five in a lot of offensive sets. Carl Anthony Towns will slide to the four. But I honestly like what the Timberwolves can do now with Rudy in there and what he's going to help Carl Anthony Towns with. It was pretty clear heading into the playoffs last year 
that the Timberwolves were a good team. But in order for them to become a great team, they had to be better defensively. And they kind of had to just stabilize a little bit more. And I think Gobert, he represents a really strong stabilizer, especially in the regular season. They may not win a title. They may not win a championship, but they have a lot of talent. They've got three guys that I think you can classify as borderline all-NBA talents in Gobert, Towns, and Anthony Edwards. They believe in Ant for sure. And if this experiment doesn't work, then they can always pivot. They can always trade a cat. They can always trade Gobert once again. And though they probably won't get as much return on their investment as they put in, they're going to have some successful years. I doubt that they're going to be any worse than like a six seed this upcoming season. And they might be better. The Thunder, they are basically remaining status quo. They've been tanking for a long time. They're probably going to do the same in this upcoming season. The difference is that they've got two more Jalen Williamses. Uh, one of them, J-A-L-E-N from Santa Clara. And the other one, J-A-Y-L-I-N from Arkansas. I think Jalen is J-Dub. And uh, I, I did just say Jalen. Uh, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams is called J-Dub. That's, who, that's how they're dubbing him. I love his game. Anybody that's talked about or that's listened to my pod when we're talking about the rookie class and talking about players that Denver could draft, I was always pretty in on Jalen Williams and what he could do. Called him a lottery talent. And the Thunder drafted him at 12. They definitely wanted him. And I'm not really surprised about that. Definitely not surprised at all. If I were the Thunder... I would be trying to tank for one more season. They have Shea. They have Giddy. They now have Chet, who's going to be very, very good. And they retained Lou Dort and Kenrich Williams on extensions, on on new deals. Those guys are going to be good for the next few years. And if they want to get one more piece, they probably can. They're going to be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes in all likelihood for one more season. If they could get a guy like Victor Wembenyama... They may decide after that point to trade some of their picks and get better very, very soon. I just don't think it's going to apply to next season as much. They're still going to be winning games in about the 20s. Uh, probably like they're 24 and 58 this last year. I'd probably say they're going to be 27 and 55. That's what I would probably predict them at. And then the Jazz uh, mentioned Rudy Gobert going out. Out to Minnesota, he is not necessarily like he was. He was their foundation, even more so than Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell was part of a a larger cog in the Utah Jazz offense. Rudy Gobert was the Utah Jazz defense. Everything that they did revolved around him, and they removed him. They got back a bunch of role players in his place, as well as a bunch of first round picks. They are going to have Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, but it's also possible that they flip some of those guys. And they are listening on trades for Donovan Mitchell. So it feels like the Jazz are entering a rebuild for sure. I would be shocked if Donovan Mitchell was on the Jazz past this deadline. He might enter the season on the Jazz, and I don't think he's going to make a big stink about it or anything, but... He's also probably going to express some discontent if he has a possibility 
to get to the New York Knicks, which is clearly where he wants to go. So we're going to see. We're going to see what he looks like and what they can actually get back for him. But if it's anything like the Rudy Gobert trade, the Jazz are going to be set up for their future. They have they had really nowhere to go, nowhere upward to go based off of their core. It was only so far that Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, it was only so far those guys could go. And now they're going to be trading their top two guys. They're going to be recouping some of those picks and they're going to be bad, at least uh, especially after they move Mitchell. So if I were ranking these teams within this division right now and giving them kind of the uh, the preseason record that I would, I would predict for them, I have the Nuggets at number one. I've been very vocal about my belief that Denver is going to be a very good basketball team. I have them penciled in at 56 and 26. It's not quite to the point where they break franchise records or anything, because I do think that there are going to be some times where Denver goes through some bumps and bruises, where they have to rest Murray and Porter and guys like that, but they do have the talent of a potential 60-win team. I don't think there's any question about that. The West is just really good. So there will be some opportunities for them to kind of uh, move off the gas pedal as well. The Timberwolves, I have them projected a 53-29. and 29. I'm not sure if that's going to get them a top four seed, which is insane because you've got teams like the Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, the LA Clippers, and the Nuggets. I would consider all four of those teams in the top tier. And then the Timberwolves are probably in the next tier lower, along with the Memphis Grizzlies, who are probably going to take a step back this upcoming season, but they might not. They might just continue to be really good. So going to be interesting to see where the Timberwolves kind of fall in the pecking order within the Western Conference. But I do think that they are clearly second in the Northwest Division behind the Nuggets. The Blazers are going to be in third. They are a clear number three. I do not think that they're going to be better than the Timberwolves because they don't have as high of a floor. The Timberwolves have these three pillars that they can really rely upon that have shown that all-star capability. The Blazers, they only have one guy, and it's Damian Lillard, who's aging pretty quickly. I think he's 31 maybe going on 32 now. And if I am the Blazers, I'm a little bit concerned because there's definitely potential for them to improve. There's definitely potential for a guy like Jeremy Grant. I I guess I skipped the Blazers when I talked about each of these individual teams. I'm just realizing that going over my notes now. The Blazers, they have CJ McCollum out. Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart are coming in. They retained Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, added Gary Payton II. They should be a better team than they were before. Like Their starting lineup is going to be Dame, Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. And it's going to be a lot of spacing. It's going to be a, a good, versatile group around Dame. And then Gary Payton II will probably be their sixth man, and he's going to mix in and be a, a good defensive guard, actually a, a great defensive guard, that they can mix in with those Lillard and Simons units. So they're going to be good. The problem is they're not going to be great, and they, they only have one player, I think, that you can classify as an all-star caliber guy, 
Simons, he has scoring potential, but he's not very good in any other capacity. And Jeremy Grant, I think, is much more similar to a guy like Aaron Gordon than he is to a guy like, I don't know, Pascal Siakam or somebody like that. Uh, there, there are other forwards out there that are just much better, that are going to be more capable. And though Jeremy Grant is a capable player, he's not, I think, the perfect piece for what they would be hoping for. I think a guy more like Draymond Green, even more like Aaron Gordon, would probably be a better fit there. But that's not going to happen. And we're going to see whether Grant can kind of manifest some better play. Though I do think a lot of what the Blazers are going to do is just going to continue to be Dame and Yusuf Nurkic pick and rolls. So I think that that's going to be good. I think they're probably going to be a 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. Like they're definitely in the play in tournament now, as long as they stay healthy. But I have them at about 45 and 37 right now. They feel like a classic 45-win team where they're not good enough to be considered a championship contender, but they have more talent than the teams below them. And they have a guy in Dame who, if he stays healthy, is one of a is he's a really good floor raiser. He's a guy who's going to get them some extra wins because of what he does, kind of controlling the pace, controlling the pick and roll, doing some great things. So I think they're going to be good, but I doubt they're going to be great. So you've got the Blazers at 45 and 37, the Timberwolves 53 and 29, the Nuggets at 56 and 26. I have the Thunder at 27 and 55. And then the Jazz post-Mitchell trade, like if that's done before the season, I have them at 25 and 57. If that doesn't happen, if Mitchell kind of starts the season with the Jazz, then I'd probably go 30 and 52, maybe 32 and 50, but they're still going to lose at least 50 games. It's going to be very different for them. It's going to be very difficult for them to do what they have always done. So I'm curious to see how that unfolds. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the future of the Northwest Division and how these teams are going to look three years from now. But first, summer is here. and There's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Alright, we're back. The Gaxon Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in would be really, really cool if you guys could leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps me, and I haven't gotten one since early June, I think. So it would be very, very helpful. That helps me grow the program, and it shows that people are consistently listening. All right, let's get into the future of these Northwest teams. You have, I think, this range. I was was debating whether to go three years from now, five years from now. It's so difficult in the modern NBA to project five years from now just because there's so much player movement. We may decide that 
like Jamal Murray might not be on the Nuggets after the next three years. He might be traded. He might decide to go somewhere else. Maybe Michael Porter decides to go somewhere else. Maybe he's moved in a deal if the Nuggets kind of disappoint. There are a lot of those factors with all of these teams, but I think it's very important with the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, Blazers, Jazz. I think it's very important to take a holistic view because this is a division that has teams that are in the process of tanking, that has teams that are in the process of competing, that are trying to get back up on the on their high horse. So lots of variability, and there's a lot of potential for things to go completely different directions over the course of three years. So I'm going to kind of go through some superlatives here. I'm going to do some superlatives in the third segment too, but those are more, I think, individualized. Which team has the best collection of young talent? A couple of years ago, I would have said the Nuggets would have involved Nikola Jokic, obviously Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., those guys going to be pillars for the Nuggets, and that ultimately proved prescient as long as those guys stay healthy. But then two years later, right now, I think the OKC Thunder clear Denver's young core. Even if it includes Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, guys like that, the OKC Thunder at this point have so many young pieces, and they're going to continue to add to it with the number of picks that they have. Three years from now, Shea Gilgis Alexander will be 27, Josh Giddy will be 23, Chet will be 23, uh, the good Jalen Williams will be 24, Trey Mann. I think he was 19 this last year, so he'll probably be 22 upcoming, maybe 23. Those guys are going to be really, really good if given the time and put into a position where they can be patient. And I don't think there's any general manager that's more patient than Sam Presti. He has shown a willingness to take the long view, kind of manifesting what uh, Sam Hinkie that's, that's what I'm thinking of. Manifesting what Sam Hinkie was doing with the process Sixers. They were able to take their time with the Sixers and get two number one overall talented picks in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They also got Markel Fultz. That didn't work out well. But they were able to take their time and got some really talented pieces. And now I think the Thunder are going to do the same. They're going to take one more additional year to try to get Victor Wembanyama. If you don't know him, he's seven foot three. He's French as a, as a center. He moves like a Kevin Garnett or Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns on the perimeter. Somebody who's pretty fluid. Somebody who's very capable. He's not quite Kevin Durant out there or anything like that, but he is very capable and he has this insane reach and these like, some really good athleticism too. He's a strong passer. He's a capable shooter. He's going to be one of the best prospects that I think uh, Jonathan Gavoni has ever, uh, at ESPN, that he has ever done research on and scouted. It's a pretty common thing that a lot of teams are going to be tanking for Victor in this upcoming season. If the Thunder do get him, that's going to be crazy. But even if they don't get him, they're going to get another talented piece. They've got insane numbers of draft picks. And that's probably going to translate into a really, really good team over the course of the next three years. Now, whether it takes a little bit more time than that, whether it's earlier than that, I'm not really sure. But what I will say is that 
Denver is probably the only team that can realistically compete with them in terms of having that amount of talent that's going to stick around for that long. Denver has the best veteran group right now. Jokic is 27, Murray's 25, Porter's 24. In three years, Jokic will be 30. He'll still be in his prime or pretty close to it. And then Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, they should also be in their prime. Murray will have some distance away from that ACL tear, so he's probably going to be back to normal at that point, maybe even better. Porter, same thing. You just never know, but I sort of believe that he's going to be better too. And so you're going to get some prime years for that Nuggets trio. I was also looking this up in the process. Aaron Gordon in three years is going to be 29. That's insane. He was drafted in 2014 and he's younger than Jokic. That's insane. So I'm I'm very interested in seeing what the Nuggets are able to do and whether they're going to be able to maintain this level of competition and a long-term ability to compete for championships over the course of that time. It's why players like Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji, Denver needs enough of those guys to hit in order for the team to be extremely good. They'll be able to kind of cycle in and out different veterans, find some other guys on the edges that can really bolster what they do. But for them to continue to expand their ceiling and to continue to get better, they're going to need some of those other young guys to really perform too. Now, which team is most likely to age out? I'm pretty sure Utah just did. That Gobert is 30, maybe 31 when he was moved. And Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, those guys are not going to be on the team in three years' time. And even if they are, they're not going to be starter caliber players. It's just not really feasible. They've already moved Gobert. They're probably going to move Mitchell, who would be in his prime at that point, but not really sure what that's going to turn into. And so you've got a team that is about to get younger. They're about to really convert into a team that's that's younger, but for a while there, they were one of the oldest teams in the NBA. They had Joe Ingles on the team. Jordan Clarkson's getting up there in age. Got a lot of guys that weren't going to have a lot of potential for the long term. So at this point, they are going to be probably at the bottom of the pecking order, even three years from now. The team that could age out next, though, I think is Portland. People aren't really talking about this, but three years from now, Portland is going to be in this situation where Damian Lillard is going to have, he's going to be making so much money, and he's probably not going to be as good as he is right now. Right now, he's 32. He just turned 32 a few a couple weeks ago. Three years from now, he'll be 35. And though he's incredibly talented, he's incredibly good, this last year in 29 games, he shot 32% from three. If he shoots not as well going forward and can't really manifest those elite numbers that he was consistently putting up, then where is their offense going to come from going forward? Jeremy Grant should still be pretty good, and Anthony Simons will be in his prime in terms of scoring. But if Dame is still going to be starting, their defense is going to be awful still. 
Josh Hart can only do so much as a defender. He's not going to be able to carry that entire backcourt. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Portland kind of evolves. And it's possible that his that his happiness, Dame, and I'm going to talk about that in the third segment, it is very possible that he's gone in the next three years. He might be a Laker. He might be a guy that moves to the East. I think he's probably going to stay with the Blazers, but I'm not sure that's a great thing for them in terms of their actual competition level. And then the wild card team is Minnesota. Nobody has any idea really what the Cat, Gobert, Anthony Edwards trio is going to look like. I think people have their takes, people have their beliefs. But the fact is that Gobert is the best defensive center in the NBA, and Cat has the claim for the best offensive center in the NBA. I think that's Jokic, but Cat at this point has been fantastic, especially as a shooter. Now, that didn't really manifest in the playoffs this last year. I think one of the teams that's one of the things that separates the two of them is that Jokic doesn't get frazzled in those situations and he can, I think, keep his head cool. Cat doesn't really have that experience. He might get that experience over the course of these next three years, but it's also possible that he just is what he is and he may never improve beyond this level. So I'm very curious to see what they look like. But the wild card is Ant. If he becomes the player that Minnesota Timberwolves fans and Tim Connolly think that he can be, then he's going to be an all-NBA player. He's going to be a borderline MVP candidate. And if he's averaging, what, 27, 7, and 5 or something like that, just being a dominant rim runner, somebody who can kind of score from anywhere and, and D up anybody, then he's going to be one of the best players in the in the division for sure. Maybe even the league. So he's going to be good. Jalen McDan or Jada McDaniels, excuse me. He's going to be good as well. But I'm very curious to see what they look like and whether that's actually going to manifest because Gobert in three years is going to be 34. Ant in three years, I think, is going to be 24. So it's going to be very interesting to see who they kind of take after. So my personal rankings for this group for the future, three years from now, I still have Denver at one, but I seriously considered moving OKC up. Chet's going to have three years of experience. Shea is still going to be in the prime of his career, and he's been fantastic mostly. And then they have these other draft picks and other guys that they can potentially add. Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted this morning that the Thunder have 15 first-round picks and 13 second-round picks through the 2029 draft. They have a lot of draft capital, and they can flip that for any star that they want, pretty much. So whoever the next disgruntled guy is going to be, maybe it's even Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe it's... Jalen Brown. Maybe it's, I, I don't know, but they can pick and choose who they want to spend that on, but they can make sure that they are the team that pays the most and that they get the guy that they want. So it's very possible that they could be the top dog. But I have them at two, and I have Minnesota at three, Portland at four, and Utah at five. I don't think that's that hot takey. 
I feel like Denver, because they have Nikola Jokic, they should default to the number one position. He has moved himself into a tier of his own in terms of players within this division. I think that's going to manifest going forward. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get back to more division superlatives. We'll be right back. Final segment, let's get back into the division superlatives for the Northwest Division. I am at this point, I'm going to do these for each of the divisions. So if you like this format, if you like this, then let me know. If you'd like me to get on a guest for each of these individual divisions, like for example, in the Pacific Division, I could get on uh, Brady Klopfer, who was with the Golden State Warriors when I previewed that team and what they were going to do in the playoffs. And as it turns out, that was a pretty smart decision because they ended up winning the title. But it could be with him for the Pacific Division, and it could be with uh, uh, who's in the Central Division. It could be Ty Windish, who does stuff for the Milwaukee Bucks in that division. So we'll see. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, but I, I do want to have on Adam Mari, so we're going to talk about animals in, I think, this next podcast. So keep an eye out for that one, too. All right, let's do the the division superlatives. Good Lord. Uh, The best player, as I mentioned, this is going to be different for each of these divisions, obviously, but for the Northwest division, the best player is clearly Nikola Jokic. Other candidates in this group, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, I guess Donovan Mitchell, but not really. Like Jokic just won back-to-back MVPs. None of the other players in the Northwest Division have really sniffed that. Nobody has been able to carry a team like Jokic has over the course of this period. And he's done it for so long. He's In the last four seasons, not including the 2019-20 season, four seasons, three finishes in the top five in terms of MVP shares, MVP voting. I think he finished fourth in that 2018-19 season first in each of the last two. And so that's just pretty simple. It's a pretty simple way to factor that in. But there are some players that are coming up. The best young prospect right now, it's either going to be Chet or Anthony Edwards. One of those two, I think, has a very strong chance. Uh, Shout out to Josh Giddy, Shaden Sharp of the Portland Trailblazers, and Bones Highland. Bones, I think, deserves some credit here because of what he did in his first season. It's possible that he kind of regresses or possible that he tops out at maybe the, a great sixth man, maybe not the, the best possible starter for your team. But what he does right now, I think, is very, very impressive. And where he started, it's possible that he continues to grow. And that if he does continue to grow, then he's going to be one of those players that teams are always game planning for going into the year. Biggest positive factor. I also have biggest negative factor. And so with the positives, I'm actually going to go with the Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns dynamic. And I think a lot of people 
A lot of people would throw that into the negatives, but I do think that there is something here that Tim Connolly, he doesn't just make these deals for nothing. He believes and he thinks that if you have a player right like Rudy Gobert next to Carl Anthony Towns, then your defense is going to be really, really good. I think they're right. And then there are going to be times where Rudy plays without Cat and they're going to function in a certain way. And then Cat plays without Rudy and they're going to function in a different way. There's going to be 48 great minutes of center play for the Timberwolves every single game and every single game in the playoffs. And there's something to be said for that. It's something that other teams are not trying. Like some teams have done that with point guards. Some teams have done that with wings. Nobody's really done that with bigs. Or at least it's been a long time. I think the the greatest chance for that, there are two teams. The Bucks with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Giannis is kind of not necessarily a, a center, but he functions as a center. And then the Boston Celtics. They have Robert Williams and Al Horford. Those guys, when they play together, are a great defense. I think that Cat and Gobert probably going to be very similar. So it's possible that if that goes better than expected, the Timberwolves could have the best record in the West, or the maybe not the West, but the best record in the Northwest Division. It's possible that they could be better than the Nuggets. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. Honorable mention here for the Nuggets' health. And if that goes according to plan, then Denver also has the potential to be the best team in the West. And honorable mention to the OKC draft picks, like I was talking about before. If they flip those for a star, they're going to get good really fast. Or if they just hit on those draft picks, they're going to get good really fast. At some point, you might get some diminishing returns. But I do think that they are going to be very, very good very, very soon because I believe in Sam Presti. I think what he's doing is smart. It is just annoying, though. Like, Actually, I'm not even sure. Like, it, it's, it's the way that they could get back into the swing of things. They had a team that they built, and then they had to let some of those guys go. And the fastest way for them to get back to where they were probably was this tank. It involves some really rough years for them, but I think it made a lot of sense. Now, biggest negative X factor, I think, as we mentioned before, Dame's happiness level. How happy is he going to be if after all the Blazers did this offseason was get them to about a 45-win team? Well, they signed Anthony, Anthony Simons to a $100 million contract, signed Yusuf Nurkic to four-year $70 million, they gave Jeremy Grant a big extension, I think. Maybe maybe that hasn't happened yet. Let me check real quick. Because if they did, then they're kind of locked into the team that they have. No, they haven't done it yet. But I think the belief is that he's going to get like a four-year, $94 million extension. So that's basically going to run the length of what Damian Lillard's contract runs. Lillard is being paid $44 million this year, $45 next year. 48 the year after, 58 the year after that, he's a $63 million player option for his age 36 season. I think he's going to pick that one up. I think he's probably going to pick that one up. We'll see what the NBA looks like at that point. We'll see what Dame looks like at that point. But 
it sort of seems to me like the Blazers, they are tied to whatever Dame does. And if he decides that he wants out, even if he's making a whole bunch of money, then they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place. There's nowhere for them to go at that point. Shout out also to the Nuggets health for the biggest negative X factor, kind of like it does both of those things at the same time. The Mitchell sweepstakes and the Ainge Presty patience. I think that those are going to be interesting where the Mitchell sweepstakes, if he is being held hostage in Utah for a while, it's going to get very awkward very fast there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if things get pretty ugly. But the other thing that I've mentioned Danny Age and Sam Presti, the patience that I'm talking about is if Denver at this point, not Denver, if uh, if OKC in Utah, if they are holding out hope for the best possible trades that they can get, uh, trying to hold teams over a barrel, basically, I think there's potential for both of those teams to be pretty bad for a long time. And if Presti is willing to, let's say, trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander, because he doesn't quite fit the timeline of what the other Thunder guys are going to do, that'll be a little weird. It'll be it'll be a little odd. I don't think that's going to happen because they extended Lou Dort. They extended Kenrich Williams to solid deals. So I think that they're going to play. I think they're going to be good. But they might not. The team most likely to win a championship is Den- definitely Denver. OKC still has some levels to go to but I think they are the second most likely. Third most likely is Minnesota. Fourth most likely is probably Utah because I actually think that they, like if they do trade Mitchell for a a King's ransom, they could ultimately flip those picks around and get something really interesting. And then Portland after that, because I just think that they're kind of locked into a team that's good, but it's never going to be great. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're the team that proves me wrong the most, but I just see a classic 45-win team. So we'll see. But yeah, this is the the podcast for the Northwest Division. I think I'm going to try to do something similar for some of these other divisions, whether it's with a guest or not remains to be seen. But for now, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I will be back on Friday, I'm pretty sure, with Adam Morris. We are going to discuss a whole bunch of stuff about animals. Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you guys very soon.